Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. We are looking through the Sermon on the Mount, and in particular the Beatitudes at this time. We're going to look at the next example of what Jesus calls a blessed person from Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now the New Testament is pretty vocal about the concept of meekness, and this is another word for gentleness. The world around Jesus had a lot of direct and aggressive ideas about getting what was theirs. But Jesus makes it clear here that his kingdom is not going to go that way. Later in Matthew 11, we see that he encourages those around him this way. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and humble of heart and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. Instead of the burden of the Pharisaic way, find rest in the more gentle and restful teaching of Jesus. The Apostle Paul caught this idea and passed it on extensively. In Colossians chapter 3, he writes this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He also calls the Corinthians to have the same mindset, as well as individual appeals to Timothy and Titus, as well as the church in Ephesus. The idea of meekness in the original language looks at the concept of gentleness, but speaks particularly of the heart and the mind. Therefore, it is best described as a key part of the inner disposition of a person. It is said to be the inward grace of a person and is closely linked with the concept of humility in our dealings with God and each other. Meekness is a quality that helps us come to a point of true acceptance of God's will. It brings us to a place where we fight God less and less. One writer helpfully said that meekness is the attitude of remaining small before God. But while it speaks of gentleness, there is nothing about being meek that suggests that we are supposed to be weak or timid. Instead, the concept of meekness as Jesus described it speaks of strength kept under control or emotional power kept under appropriate restraint. It would actually take significant strength, power, and even courage to exhibit the trait of meekness that Jesus was speaking of here. And we see this courageous and powerful meekness in Jesus as we consider the scriptures. The Apostle Paul calls us to embrace this meekness of Christ many times over. And in Philippians 2, he gives a brief picture of what that might look like. Let me read to you verses 5 and 6. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus not using his deity to his own advantage. You have to agree, that's a lot of power being kept under restraint. And that's what we see Jesus doing many times over, don't we? One significant example is found in John chapter 8. Consider this, Jesus is at the temple early in the morning. 
He's about to teach a crowd that had gathered when suddenly a loud mob approaches him and pushes a scantily clad woman in front of him. Apparently, she's been caught out through the night in the wrong bed with the wrong man and is now being held to account for the shameful way she's been living. The Pharisees are calling for death for her law-breaking ways, but they're really hoping that Jesus would throw the first accusing stone. Jesus does have every right to call it too. In his divinity, it's his law that she's broken. He was there when the Ten Commandments, including the one about adultery, were carved in stone. He could have made that call, but instead, Jesus takes a much gentler approach. With one sentence and a heap of scribbling on the ground, he is able to whittle down the crowd to just the accused woman and himself. Jesus had clear divine power to offer judgment or mercy, and in gentleness, he chose the latter knowing that he himself was going to die for that sin really soon. Speaking of death, we all know the story of the cross, but sometimes we overlook the meek details. Isaiah 53 foretold that Jesus would not open his mouth despite the punishment he would receive. Instead, he would take the attitude of a lamb as he went to face death on our behalf. Luke's gospel tells us that after the all-night beatdown and the whipping and the torture and the agony and the mocking, he is nailed to the cross. And with his lungs struggling to take in oxygen, he's able to pray this prayer, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now for a quick disclaimer. Through experience, I have found that some find this hard to reconcile because we all know that there were times when Jesus apparently didn't play nice. The cleansing of the temple is a well-known incident that many would point to as evidence of this, as it certainly doesn't appear to be an act of gentleness. I do look forward to exploring this event in the future, but I'm happy to have a quick look at it now. We saw in episode 1 that Jesus came as a suffering servant for the sake of man's salvation. In his declarations about his kingdom and in what he brings to the Sermon on the Mount, we're seeing that Jesus has a new way to bring, which all of mankind, not just one nation, will be invited to be part of. To do this, Jesus would not merely supersede the old, but he would need to bring the old way under judgment. The temple event was an act of judgment against a system, not the condemnation of any person. The system of ancient Judaism was broken. And the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, tells us how God is going to come and fix that. Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. This speaks of the coming of Christ and the temple and its priests will at one major point be in his sights. In his deity, Jesus brought that old way to judgment. An old system was judged and rejected, but its people would be drawn to his new one. There's a sobering reminder here that there's never anything gentle about judgment. 
In the end, we'll all face Jesus as judge. But in the meantime, there is gentleness and mercy for all who will look to him. Jesus goes on to teach the outcome of meekness. The meek will inherit the earth. This was a key reminder to the Jewish audience at the time because this was something they had heard before from King David in Psalm 37. Let me read to you verses 5 to 10 of that psalm. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The audience that Jesus is speaking to here is a pretty gruff and disillusioned lot. They had had enough of invading forces occupying their nation. They had had enough of the taxes and the tribute being extorted from them. They had enough of the burden and the corruption of the priesthood and the Pharisees as well. They saw injustice all around them, and they essentially saw evil prevail. They were getting restless and resentful of the position they were in. There only needed to be a small spark to light the bushfire of rage within them. And if Jesus uttered the word fight, a ragtag army was ready to pounce. But we see that there was a countercultural aspect of Jesus' teaching, and what Jesus had to say even today remains a countercultural thing. Jesus echoes the psalm here evil will seemingly prevail, but those that restrain themselves from within will end with the upper hand. David, as he wrote that psalm, had learnt that lesson many times over. Show patience and restraint and the Lord will vindicate. And now Jesus was instructing his followers to do the same, to remain patient and gentle in light of the eternal kingdom that he was establishing. Again, we see the now but not yet kingdom in play. It's clear that the meek are not inheriting the earth right now. And in this side of eternity, it won't fully happen either. We know that there is a prince of the power of the air that still holds the earth as his dominion until judgment. But there will be partial inheritances through the church age. The nations that we are ordained to reach out to, the harvest that we are ordained to labor in. And there will be an eventual time when the saints will reign as co-heirs with Christ in eternity. The legendary theologian John Stott wrote this, The godless may boast and throw their weight about, yet real possession eludes their grasp. The meek, on the other hand, although they may be deprived and disenfranchised by men, yet because they know what it is to live and reign with Christ, can enjoy and even possess the earth which belongs to Christ. Then on the day of the regeneration, there will be new heavens and a new earth for them to inherit. Thus, the way of Christ is different from the way of the world. Revelation chapter 21, a passage we looked at in the last episode, speaks of a believer's eternal inheritance, a new heaven and a new earth, the old passing away and a new one ushered in for the saints to reign. 
the meek, those who will courageously embrace the attitude of Christ and live in a state of inner grace and restraint, will see this with their own eyes and make this their eternal inheritance. So how does one become meek? Well, the short answer is simple. Left to our own devices, we can't. Nothing within our flesh or DNA organically makes space for meekness. Instead, it is clear from Scripture that we can only get it with God's help through the Holy Spirit. We read about this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 23. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. We often think that when a person is meek, they are weak, insipid, and helpless. Not so. Jesus was meek because of the infinite resources at his command and his divine strength of restraining it at key times for the sake of mankind. Meekness, as we read here, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is holy power and grace poured out on us, which enables us to place the power of self under appropriate restraint. There is nothing helpless or weak about any of that. Remember that we are saved by grace and not of works. And why is this so? Well, it takes away our ability to boast about it. We can't make ourselves right in God's sight because to do so would rob us of all humility and our need of God. We also can't produce things that the Holy Spirit alone produces in our life. If we could produce meekness of our own accord, if we could produce Christ-like patience of our own accord, if we could generate any of these traits listed in Paul's writing, then we would have no need of God and we'd all be walking in our own boastful confidence rather than clinging to the grace of God. The truth is this, meekness is not self-produced, it is spirit-produced. So becoming a blessed, earth-inheriting, meek disciple requires a certain action, the rejection of our own nature in favor of the one Jesus has for us. Or in the words of another scholar, self-renunciation is the way to world dominion. This is the complete opposite of what the world calls for. We're told in the world around us that elevating self, walking over each other and being aggressive in all that we do is the way to success and gaining the world. Jesus says instead to imitate him, demote ourselves, remain assertive without embracing aggression. Be courageous enough to hand control to the Lord and actively seek the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, and let His influence and power bear His fruit in our life. And by doing so, our inheritance will be truly great. Let's finish this episode now with a word of prayer. Jesus, I lean into the challenge to become meek. Help me to learn the lifestyle of power under restraint in all that I do. Help me to welcome this trait in my life, 
understanding its countercultural way, but also understanding the courage and the strength that is required to live this out. I also understand that this is a fruit of the Spirit, so help me to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as He produces this trait in me more and more. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.